Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Could You Voice. Today, we welcome back David Babineau, the head of the bus division of the RTBU, to give us an update on the state of our buses in the eastern suburbs since privatisation and our bus cuts have come into action. David also gives us a good explanation as to why our bus drivers continue to go on strike. You're listening to Could You Voice. These people who've probably not caught a bus themselves or even seen a bus unless it happens to have driven past them, you know, at the corner of their eye, these people have reached into our lives. They've messed with the workers, they've messed with the people who depend on these essential public service and they think they can do it with impunity. They think, oh, it doesn't matter, these people don't matter. That's what they're saying when they mess with our public transport. They're saying, your life doesn't matter. where he wasn't finishing a shift, busting to go to the toilet. All of a sudden he was able to focus on doing his job properly, getting people safely from A to B, and he wasn't sitting there freaking out about the fact that he was going to get called in because he was a few minutes late here or that he had to run to the toilet there. David, welcome back to Coogee Voice. How are you going today? Thank you. Um, doing all right. Doing all right. Things are hectic, but uh, you know, now that uh, we're on the other side of privatisation, for better or worse, it's um, it's a different kind of workload. Well, let's get into it. You're talking about privatisation now. A lot has happened in the bus arena mm. since the last time you were on our show. Privatisation is one of those things. Can you give us a little bit of an update, an overview about what's really been happening in the world of buses uh, in the eastern suburbs and across New South Wales since the last time we spoke? Sure. Well, I mean, as, as you know, your constituents well know, the government took something that was fine and broke it for no good reason. They really did. The only reason that the consultation process that you helped achieve was achieved is because basically it was demanded by your constituents. There was a, a really good political awareness. Nowhere else did transport turn around and do what their charter says they have to do, which is consult with the public that uses the service. They never did that anywhere. Uh, it was only in the East where you know, residents had local label members willing to stand up and actually make that happen that you achieve that. So even though people may look around and think our buses have gone to crap, you're the best off out of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think the thing is though, despite the community consultation, we've still had privatization. We've still had over 30 bus routes removed. You know, what is the feedback that you're getting from bus drivers, from the community about how our bus network has changed since the bus cuts have come in and since privatisation has come into effect? Yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately it always was a bit of a predetermined outcome as far as the consultation went. At least you got the courtesy of it, (laughs) if nothing else. Our guys have been really under the pump. Uh, There's been a, a combination of, you know, people getting sick from COVID. We've got a general shortage of heavy vehicle drivers across the state. The East is not immune to that. In addition, you've got a lot of people that looked at privatisation and thought, well, I'm not going to hang around. I'm going to go find another job closer to home. A lot of people that were close to retirement decided to bring that forward because they weren't really willing to work under the new operator. So 
there is a there is a definite shortage, and I'm sure people in the east that catch buses would have noticed. There's a lot of cancellations going on. It's simply we don't have drivers enough to fill the the timetable. Does salary and wages also? Do you think that that is a factor as to why maybe it's becoming even difficult to recruit people to become drivers, let alone retain them? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. In negotiations that we're in, I mean, for the first time in my experience uh, up in Newcastle, for example, we're in negotiation where money is the only thing we're talking about. Everything else is fine. The conditions are fine. You know, we've, we wanted 10 things in there in. It's all about money. It's, it's about the fact that, you know, we've been sitting and the East drivers are exactly the same. They've been sitting there under the government wages cap. So this year they got 2.04, would have been 2.5, but they had to pay for their own super increase. Thanks. Thanks to the government. Last year it was 0.3%. Now, all of a sudden, you know, inflation hasn't been running super high, but now that it's bounced to that, you know, big height, everyone's taking notice, but we've been behind that for quite a while. So in real terms, our wages have been going backwards for some time. It's just come to this crucial point where people are finally going, you know what, I can't afford petrol anymore. I cannot afford to drive, you know, from the other side of Parramatta into Waverley or, or Port Botany or Randwick, do my job and go back with the tolls. It's just not feasible. It's, it's, I'm working an extra day to support the financial obligations I used to support on five days a week. Salaries keeping up with inflation, the cost of living, tolls in Sydney is one thing. One of the other things about wages which has come up and I think is related to one of the more recent industrial actions that happened is drivers doing the exact same job but on different contracts. Hmm. Can you explain that to us? Well, we have Transport for New South Wales to thank for that and no one else. Region 6, which is the inner west, have been laboring under a two-tiered workforce or workplace where you have two groups of drivers who are separated by their conditions. The ex-STA drivers were basically quarantined by their industrial instrument and the new guys were hired under a different industrial instrument. And the difference is such that, you know, you're probably talking $10,000 a year. Now, it's not just $10,000 in somebody's pocket difference, it's $10,000 cheaper to the company. And so, of course, all the penalty work that comes through, you know, we get an extra, I think, $24 odd for driving, say, you know, a bendy bus a day. That goes across, all the penalty work goes across to the people for whom it's cheaper to employ. Now, you put all that together and you've got guys that have dedicated 20, 30, 40 years to public service, to, you know, to serving the people of Sydney, and they're being rostered out of a job. Now, Transport turned around, allowed that to happen, approved that bid, promised it would never happen again, had a televised broadcast to all STA employees, including the guys in the East, and specifically, explicitly promised it would never happen again, turned around and then approved the exact same format of the bid for Region 7, which is Ryden Willoughby. Now, thankfully, we were able to work with TransDev John Holland, who put a little bit more value on a smooth transition. And so worked with us where we basically said, look, we'll take a lower pay rate for the next, you know, for the life of the agreement, as long as we can keep all our conditions. And so we basically dragged and dropped our government conditions into the federal system. There's a price to pay, obviously, and the price is higher now that, you know, inflation is relatively higher. But the union and the company had to work together to clean up and fix the broken promises that transport with the government's blessing just let fall by the wayside. It was a, a really 
disappointing betrayal given that they used COVID as cover to finish the privatisation process anyway, that they would not turn around and at least give these men and women, ordinary Australians, you know, just everyday working people, a little bit of human consideration. It was it was deeply disappointing. David, you just spoke about bendy buses and the loading, the safety loading that goes on top of that. Under Transport for New South Wales, you're saying that was about $24. What is it under the private provider? Well, it's the same, but we, as I say, we had to give up any pretense of a genuine pay rise for three years to get that. That was the cost. Obviously, to take on our government conditions is an expense. And so as a trade-off to try and you know entice the company to make that happen, they turned around and said, well, we get you know, we get this figure from the government. And so we accepted that figure that they get from the government. So the pay rises for the next three years for the drivers in the East are not going to be great. That was the, the price that we paid. You've just touched on bendy buses and the loading that's given when drivers drive bendy buses. Under the public system, you said that people got $24. What is the loading under the private provider in some of the regions? Well, in Region 6, which is the biggest example of, of you know, the inequality and unfairness that can be delivered to, to workers with the two-tiered system, the new drivers employed after privatisation, they get uh, five-something. It's under $6. They get as an allowance per day to drive an articulated bus. So what we are talking here in real terms is that real wages are actually going backwards. Well, it's not just the wages that are going backwards. And Region 6 is a horrifically good example of what happens. You can have two people sitting in a meal room side by side. One gets you know, an extra week annual leave. One gets toilet breaks. One gets no toilet breaks. I had, a, I had a new driver come and thank me once when he lost his work because all of a sudden he was doing the excess state transit work. And he, in his nine months of employment, had never been in a position where he wasn't finishing a shift, busting to go to the toilet. All of a sudden, he was able to focus on doing his job properly, getting people safely from A to B. And he wasn't sitting there freaking out about the fact that he was going to get called in because he was a few minutes late here or that he had to run to the toilet there. You know, it's disgusting. We're not, you know, objects. We're not welded to the buses. We're people. We do our job properly. And, you know, we have the safety of hundreds of people sometimes in our hands and we take great pride in what we do and we're happy to do it. It would just be nice if that was valued in some way other than just numbers on a ledger to, to some company looking to race to the bottom. There's a new transport minister. Yes. How are you finding interacting and dialogue with the new transport minister compared to the old transport minister? I, well, I met him for the first time face to face the other day. He is receptive to some of the things we've put forward. There are some things, obviously, they're never going to touch. You know, I did mention the fact that the contracts, for example, were put together to cover a long period of time in some cases. Eight years is a long period of time. So the economic conditions have changed over eight years. And, you know, so why don't you go and renegotiate with the companies as to what the government's got to provide for pay rises, not to pay the whole thing, obviously, but to bump it up a little bit so that it's not dipping in so much to the company's pockets. So the pain is spread, right? And so that at the end of the day, people are given a wage rise where at least they're not going backwards as much. They'll still go backwards. There's things that will never be done. I don't interact with him in the same way that, you know, for example, the rail side is where they're in the midst of an EA and, and he can play a part. My biggest problem is with Transport for New South Wales. And to be brutally honest with the fact that Transport for New South Wales is filled with very few people who genuinely know transport and those people are siloed away. 
when they need to be interconnected and we need to have people that know transport. If we'd had that, we wouldn't have had the politicization that we did of the service reviews, for example, where we went through this process, consultation delivered very little changes because it was predetermined, because it was being pushed by a political agenda. And that, that shouldn't happen. Transport should be managing transport for the people that use it. You've brought up service changes. In the last five, six years, the eastern suburbs has had 35 bus routes removed. What feedback are your drivers getting from our community about how the removal of these bus routes are impacting people in the eastern suburbs? Look, there's no doubt there's a negative impact. There's no doubt whatsoever. The biggest problem we have is that the complaints process has been curtailed somewhat. You know, it's pretty much all online now. That's not going to help, you know, the average aged person who, who may not wander around tapping away on their mobile phone adeptly with two thumbs. That's not how it works. There needs to be accessible transport. And unfortunately, the people that are making the decisions, the people that are reaching in to the lives of the most vulnerable, you know, the, the people who are, you know, mobility challenged, who are aged, who don't own cars, who are in a situation where they're trying to get around with, you know, like a double pram on, on buses, which is a feat in itself. Their lives, people, politicians are reaching into their lives to mess with it. And the people doing that have no appreciation for the pain they're actually causing. Changing gears a tiny bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I appeared in the bus inquiry just after you. Mm. There was some pretty wild questions you were being asked by the Honourable Wes Fang. You're smirking as I'm asking you this. For our listeners, recap the question that Wes asked you. Well, firstly, I'd just like to say that Wes continually made points of the fact that the buses here are better than the buses at Wagga. I would say as the sitting member, if the buses at Wagga are so garbage, he should probably do something as the local member to fix it. That would be nice, instead of using it as an example and sitting on it and letting it fester. No, his response was calculated. It was calculated to waste time. You know, you've got to understand, this is a massively complex issue. There is no real justification for the privatisation. Like I said, they broke something up that, that wasn't broken to begin with. And his response was to turn around and say, oh, well, you can always go and get another job. Now, we've heard that before from, from you know, liberal members of various, uh, you know, federal and uh, state levels saying, oh, go and buy a house, go and get a better job, all these things. These are not the comments of anyone that lives day to day in the real world. Somebody that would say that has no idea what struggle is. They genuinely don't. They're living in a padded cell, you know, silk padded probably. They're doing pretty well to be able to turn, out, turn that out. But look, he said it deliberately. He said it because we only had an hour and a half and he knew we had to respond to it. And so basically we wasted 20 minutes responding to that he's happy to insult us. As unions, he's happy to insult us, but he forgets that what he's doing is he's insulting the people we represent. I'm not there as me. I don't matter. What matters is, you know, the thousands of bus drivers I'm there to speak on behalf of. And when he sits there and dismisses us, you know, like that in such a manner, he's actually turning around and dismissing the concerns of, of everyday Australians who we represent. And it's not a union thing. It's not a political thing. It's about a government genuinely doing the right thing by the people it represents, not just their own political constituents, everybody. You know, everyone catches buses. You need to look after everyone, not just the ones who vote Liberal. David, 
We all know that you are the head of the bus division, but you work very closely with the train division as well. There's been a fair bit of chat in the media recently where the minister blamed the industrial action, the train industrial action on the unions, um, despite the fact that he didn't wake up for a 2am phone call where he was being informed about it. Can you give us a little bit of an update? On that. Yeah. My understanding is he was well aware of it. It wasn't hinging on a phone call. He was well aware of that. Um, the plan was actually to shut down, to lock down um, the network for weeks at a time was the original consideration they were giving. So this is not something that came out of the blue. Since that ill-conceived attempt. And it was an <laughs> attempt by transport to shut down the network, not actually by the RTBU. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. The thing is, you have to remember, transport is the bureaucratic arm of a politi political system. So when transport go and do this and that, it's not purely based on this data or that data. There will always be a political consideration. And the higher you go, obviously, as in this case, there's more politics involved rather than less. So the, the issue we had here was that they locked the workforce out. They locked the workforce out, turned around and said, you know what, this is, it's all the unions doing when in fact there were hundreds of people at Central Station waiting to work and wondering why the hell they couldn't work. Since then, I think he's come on board. They had actually almost negotiated an agreement. And then of course, uh, we had more senior uh, members of the government come in and just blow the whole thing up out of the water again. So David, before I let you go, what's Next, what should our constituents and the people of our area uh, be looking out for? How can they support our bus drivers and our campaign to bring back our buses um, and support better public transport in the east? Um, it's all about accountability. There, there is no accountability or transparency throughout transport or the government in relation to, to bus changes and all, tra all transport. That needs to be enforced and it needs to be enforced by the end users at the end of the day because no one else cares. That's, that's really the bottom line. You know, all the councils to their credit stood up, you know, and backed you and backed us and backed the workers and the public. It wasn't enough. So what we need to do now is whenever a bus route is getting cut, they need, people need to stand up and say, hang on, that's mine. The government doesn't have any money. There's no such thing as government money. It's our money. And if they're not going to spend it right, then we need to let them know that, hey, that's not all right. You know, and I think, like I said, at the end of a, one of the last rallies we had at, at Martin Place, people that are angry about what's happened, they need to sit on that. They need to stay angry because you've got a chance to exercise your democratic right coming up early next year. Remember, remember these people who have probably not caught a bus themselves or even seen a bus unless it happens to have driven past them, you know, the corner of their eye. These people have reached into our lives. They've messed with the workers. They've messed with the people who depend on these essential public service, and they think they can do it with impunity. They think, oh, it doesn't matter. These people don't matter. That's what they're saying when they mess with our public transport. They're saying, your life doesn't matter. I don't care if you spend an extra hour getting from A to B, or you can no longer get directly to the hospital or this or that. They don't care. So we need to turn around and show them that we matter and that they should care. Here, here. David. Thanks for joining us on Coogee Voice. Always a pleasure. Thank you.
Wasn't it great to be joined by a fired up David Babineau today? Now, if you're as passionate as I am about saving our buses, please join our campaign to save our buses and head to marjorieoneal.com.au. You've been listening to Coogee Voice. 